verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of God. Well, I wonder for you, how are you approaching this Christmas season? Is it one where you're kind of feeling like I have to put on a false face and make it appear like I have everything together, that I'm happy even when I might not be? Or are you somebody who's just ready to dive all in with both feet? Perhaps you are in that hesitant place. Perhaps you are kind of wondering about the various feelings and emotions that would come up for you this season. And the choir woke you up out of that already with their music and with the songs that we have already sung. But through this message that is sung today, that is read through scripture, that is preached, which is enacted through communion, I believe in this foundational truth that every person can have hope because the promise of the prophets was fulfilled in Operation Christmas Child. Now you might think, wait, didn't we already accomplish Operation Christmas Child? The answer is yes, statistically so. I want to share that again, we collected 114 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child, which is up from 73 last year. We took in 1,177 boxes from the surrounding churches, which is again up from the previous year. We had 12 or 13 churches drop off boxes, and they collected 13,500 boxes for the Gold Country area down in Auburn. Again, more than last year. CR Press put in roughly 100 volunteer hours welcoming people who brought boxes, and all this was awesome. It was an expression of joining Jesus on his mission. Praise God. But I also believe that Operation Christmas Child has wider connotations in this Christmas season for you and for me. You see, before the beginning of time, our loving God purposed to be in relationship with us. And he did not give up on us when we sinned. Rather, God knew that humanity would turn away from him in sin, which makes it all that much more amazing that he created us in the first place. 
His great rescue operation that followed was promised for generations by the prophets. You may have heard these, these accounts before, but they're somewhere in the neighborhood of 320 to 325 promises or prophecies in the Old Testament that come true in the New. Most of them are surrounding either Jesus' birth, where and when and how, or his death and resurrection. Each of those promises give us hope that this world and what we see is not all there is, that there is one who has come in the fullness of God's presence and identity and essence to set all things right. In the passage that the Batobs read in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, we see in the past God spoke through our ancestors, the prophets, at various ways, but in our present day, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God has a plan to bring hope, a word of hope that becomes enfleshed in the person of his Son, the one and only Son of God who takes on flesh, who bears royal titles in fulfilling the promises that there would be an ancestor of David to be on the throne of God forever. What did he come to do? His mission is to see God and sinners reconciled. How did he accomplish it? He laid his glory by, as we say in one of our carols, so that no more we may die. Philippians 2 and the great hymn that Paul writes says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, became obedient like a servant, became obedient even to death, death on the cross. God comes down, takes on flesh, lives among us. And the depths and the willingness of God to come down and take on flesh and live with us shows us the depth of his love. This is the true Operation Christmas child. The one who comes to set us free from sin. The one who reaches down to pull us up. Sadly, I had to miss uh, Santa's shop yesterday. It's one of my favorite outreach events of the year, uh, but was down in Southern California with Josh, finishing up his cross-country season. But the image that always bears in my mind of that event is of some caring adult or some caring high school student who reaches down to take the hand of the child they've been assigned to and walks them across the courtyard, starts a conversation with them, and then walks them through gifts with a list, navigating their experience and helping them purchase gifts. God, in the person of his son Jesus, reaches down to take our hand. The ultimate Operation Christmas Child in that reaching down would occur at just the right time in just the right place among the right people in history. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. How could one who is old and from ancient times be born? Because he was the one and only son of God who existed with the father from all time. But who comes into our experience in time. You see at just the right time among the right people physically and among the right place. God comes. 
but he also does this spiritually. In Romans 5, 7 and 8, it says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait till we had cleaned up our act. God didn't wait till we had pulled ourselves up on our own bootstraps. God came down in the depths of our sin and sadness to lift us up through Christ's sacrifice. As we celebrate the advent of our Savior, we respond with gratitude and thanksgiving that Jesus came at just the right time to accomplish what was necessary for our salvation. Josh is currently reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and he came across one of my favorite passages. There Lewis writes, enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You may say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great, great campaign of sabotage. You see, this Operation Christmas Child carried out by Jesus himself is meant to then lead us into an operation, a campaign of sabotage to seek to overcome the evil and the darkness of this world by shining the light of Christ. But this isn't always easy. I mean, Christmas is heralded as a time of joy and friendship and celebration, but the reality is it is not always a happy season. As I preach, there are those who are working through their first holiday without a loved one who made that season significant. There are those who have lost a job, Or who are without work, wondering where God's provision is going to come from. There are those who have gone through a relational loss or are navigating a new normal this Christmas season. And in fact, Christmas can often remind us of past losses, the family we wish we had, or economic stress. The good news is that these are things that we can talk to God about. We can express how we are feeling as we approach Christmas. If you're feeling frustration or disappointment, express your feelings to him. Because he took on flesh for you, he understands. Allow yourself to sit in his presence for a few moments and listen for his response. If you listen long enough, if you hear the words and the songs and the scriptures, we understand that Christmas is our way of understanding basic Christianity, the gospel, The message of Christianity is that, in the words of Tim Keller, that things really are this bad, and we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. The Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There is light that comes to us from outside this world, and Jesus has brought that light to save us. Indeed, he is the light. The world, while it is dark without him, has been visited by our Savior. And as a result, that makes all the difference. In the scripture, we hear that the people prior to hearing these words of hope were experiencing gloom. In other words, there was depression. And many people feel a sense of depression and sadness in our world today, living without a sense of hope living without a sense of the comfort that comes from knowing Jesus. 
It says that the people then were in distress. They had been, the northern kingdom had partially been taken over by the Assyrians and and the people of Israel wondered where God's salvation was going to come from. And they had been humbled. The people had chosen their own way rather than God's way and trusting in human glory rather than in God, the nation had plunged itself into darkness. And this happens any time that we live without the hope of God and we try to drum up or create our own sense of hope. Without the protection of God and his blessing that in the past had been expressed through the pillar of cloud, a light, and lighted by the pillar of fire at night when the Israelites journeyed through the desert, they were now facing confusion and darkness. They had become prey, the prey of the very nations they trusted in. You see, the people of Israel were looking to other nations to come and rescue them out of their plight. They weren't looking to God. But that is not where God intended to leave them. In the very areas where the Assyrian conquest began, there God promises that a light will dawn. The people of Israel have done nothing to deserve this. It's nothing but God's grace that brings hope. And so too today, it is only the grace of God that is the source of our hope. But God is greater than Assyria. God is greater than your greatest spiritual enemies. And the people there who had experienced grief and despair as a result of that conquest are told that they will experience joy and triumph. As Gideon defeated Midian in the valley of Jezreel in Judges 7, so God will defeat Israel's enemies in that same place. A sharp transition takes place then from a word of doom to one promised, marked by a short sentence that qualifies it, yet there will not be gloom to her yet there will not be lasting anguish hope is on the way the verse joins the previous picture of darkness and light that follows so do the contrast between the former situation with the new hope the prophet stepping out of jerusalem for a moment spoke a word of hope to the north a new day was coming these lands that were the first to feel the ominous tread of the warriors built boot as an adversary took over would be the first to see the new and great light that God would focus on Israel. Matthew rightly saw the fulfillment of this in the ministry of Jesus in Galilee in these regions. Hope had come from the outside to fill us in the inside. Without him the world is a dark place and we never find our way or see reality without Jesus's light. Without him, we experience the same depression, distress, and humility that the people of Israel were undercurring. But Jesus is the light of the world, and through him, light has come. In John 1, 9 through 10, it says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world did not recognize him. But the good news there is the darkness did not understand or or overcome him. Jesus would have the ultimate victory. And as far as 600 plus years prior to Christ's coming, God announced through the prophet Isaiah words of future hope. God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. The ones who had been humbled are going to be honored. The people walking in darkness will see a great light. He will enlarge their nation and increase their joy. 
They will rejoice before God as people rejoice at the harvest. And ultimately, war will be done away with one day. You see, this is a song of thanksgiving. It joins both the harvest imagery of excitement that a harvest is brought in, as well as the overcoming of military war. It, this would not just be a military victory, but ultimately eternal peace. The imagery is of military uniforms becoming fuel for fire. The future act would guarantee by this event that it would actually happen in the birth of the son. You know, this promise made then to the Israelites first, while it had an initial fulfillment, ultimately has a fulfillment through Christ's coming. And the church has adopted this language knowing that ultimately this promise was fulfilled in Jesus. The weary human heart that has been burdened by sin and centuries of darkness and pain would be impacted through God's visit to redeem his people. These words have come true in Jesus. A great light, the knowledge of the glory of God was shown through the face of Jesus, we are told in 2 Corinthians 2. That light has flashed out. I remember in my years in San Diego, my first call was there for four years. One of my favorite breakfast places uh, was called the Green Flash. And it was ultimately that flash of green as the sun came up or the sun went down. It was this almost spark of light, we might call it. And Jesus' coming is a spark of light. It's the invitation to come home to the hope we have in Jesus. I grew up in Cupertino near San Jose, but all of my Christmas holidays were actually spent in Yuba City nearby because that's where my grandparents lived. And we would come to Yuba City the day of Christmas Eve and, you know, be excited about opening presents. And for that, for us, it always happened on Christmas Eve. The odd thing was my first call in San Diego when I was 26 and a pastor and serving alone was my very first Christmas Eve service. I had no idea what people usually did because I had never been to one until I was there as a pastor. But I remember those Christmas Eves and one of the things that we would do was take a drive. And of course, you know, it was believed that Santa Claus came and visited and brought the presents while we were out on our drive. This is a first service story, not a second service story right now. Don't pass it on on your way out. But as we were driving, we would drive around, and I remember fondly that we would often pass back by my grandparents' house there on Gray Avenue. And, but sometimes we'd keep circling, and I remember for years wondering, and, 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 and I noticed that there were these two lights. Um, and, and eventually I, I figured it out as a teenager that if the lights were off, the pres- they weren't ready yet. Santa had not come. But when the light was on when both front ports, big candles, you know, lights were turned on, everything was ready, and it was time to come home. Spiritually speaking, when we understand the light of Christ that has come, it's time to come home. It's time to realize that God has paved a way, made a way for you to be in relationship with him, that God has shown in such a way that the life that we had apart from him and didn't have hope is now filled with hope an opportunity to live in relationship with him 
Tim Keller would say in The Hidden Christmas that the emphasis on light and darkness comes from the Christian belief that the world's hope comes from outside of it. The giving of gifts is a natural response to Jesus' stupendous act of self-giving when he laid aside his glory and was born into the human race. The Lord of the universe identified with the least and most excluded of the human race. Jesus gave himself to us, so we must give ourselves wholly to him. We don't ask you to give or commit yourself to, to pledge to giving of your tithes and your offerings next year just because we need help financially. We invite you to give because God has asked you to. And because it is your greatest response to the self-giving of Jesus, it's our way of saying thank you. And with gratitude and thanksgiving, I want to give return, and I want to be a part of Operation Christmas Child. Not just by filling a box with presents for a child somewhere else in the world, but giving regularly of your tithes and your offerings to say, God, I'm with you on this mission. The operation that you began through the coming of Jesus, this Christmas child, I want to participate in on a regular basis. And I want to get the word out about this child so that other people can come to know the hope that I have and the hope that they need to have. This world can feel like a dark place. Josh and I were down in Southern California where he ran a race and we visited a college that he's interested in, Azusa Pacific. And I noticed that it was quiet, and I asked some questions of the assistant coach that Josh was visiting with and, you know, talking to about recruiting and possibly running there. And he talked about how their enrollment was significantly down. Josh said, well, what else do you want to do while we're here, Dad? And I said, well, you know, my old seminary is about 20 minutes away, and there's a great ice cream place across the campus. He's like, Perfect. So we drove the 20 minutes west uh, to Fuller Seminary, and it was eerily quiet. The seminary that Greg and I attended, and I walked across campus, we walked into the library where my dissertation sits at the bowels of the library, I don't think ever checked out, and I saw one person in the library, and I asked the person, where, where, where is everybody? Well, it's, it's dead week. People are preparing for finals. But remember now, 80% of our enrollment is online. Only 20% of people are on campus. And Josh was the one to say, Dad, I'm worried about the future of the church. These are, these are institutions that have raised up pastors for generations. And it seems quiet. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about that too, Josh. But our, our hope doesn't lie in human beings, right? Our hope doesn't lie in institutions even. Our hope lies in the person of Jesus and his light that is shined. And that's what we have to figure out how to do is to shine God's light each in our own way in the ways that he has called us to, not maybe ways that we are expected to. But it also comes with knowing that we are not our own, as it says in 1 Corinthians 19. We have been bought with a price, price of Jesus' coming, price of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. The challenge of Christmas is this, that we have to swallow our own pride and understand that there has never been a gift given that makes us swallow our pride to the depths of the gift of Jesus does. 
Because Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the one and only Son of God could save us. And that means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together by your own bootstraps and live a moral and good life apart from God. To accept the true Christmas gift of Operation Christmas Child, you have to admit that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved by God's grace. The the source of hope does not come from inside ourselves and just trying to feel hopeful. Nor does our hope come from any other human institution. The source of hope is centered in Christ. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he will be called and is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, his kingdom, the kingdom of God, there will be no end. God accomplishes this amazing feat through the birth of his only son, Jesus. A birth that is a sign that there is hope. A birth of one who is ancient and yet born into our day. Who was a wonderful counselor because he was involved in creating this world and he knows how it works. We might as well listen to him then. Here, hope comes through the fact that he has been given to us and as a result of Christ being given to us, we have counsel. We have strength, the might of God in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have an everlasting Father who not only created us but is committed to us on our good days and our bad. We have the Prince of Peace, the one who can provide an eternal peace and internal peace that is above and beyond anything else the world can provide. Isaiah saw that there would be one who would come, who would be wise enough and strong enough and faithful enough and peaceful enough to accomplish the salvation we need so that Jesus would one day say, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. No, Jesus gives an internal peace and eternal peace that stands the test of time. It can help us overcome our darkness and depression, even on our most difficult days. We need a hope, a hope that lasts, a faith that comes in the confidence in what we hope for, as it talks about in Hebrews 11. That hope comes in the assurance of things we do not always see. In other words, we don't always see the immediate sources of our hope, but we know that because Christ has come then and fulfilled the promise of the prophets to come in the form of a baby, that we can trust him that he will one day come again. That the parts of this passage that did not experience immediate fulfillment, his followers can trust in expectation that it will ultimately occur. In other words, he is the Prince of Peace who has come, but we know that peace hasn't been fully accomplished yet. But we can live as people of hope and people of peace in the meantime when we allow him to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives. The question then becomes, have we allowed the child king to take over government of our lives? Are we under new management, so to speak, because we've allowed him to rule and reign in our hearts Only then can the benefits of God be with us. Only then can we live fully in the hope that we have and live differently. The God who has come in the person of Jesus invites us to live differently. He invites us to live 
hopefully. I came across a passage from Micah 7-7 in our reading through the Bible in the year. There Micah the prophet says, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Friends, trust that God hears you. Then in watching for him and hope, help is always on the way. Hope has ultimately come in the person of his son who has already come and lived among us, died on the cross for our sins and rose again. But it is a present hope and it is a realized hope as a result of what he has accomplished. And the foundation of the hope that we have is found in him. That Operation Christmas Child that began (laughs) over 2,000 years ago was fulfilled through Christ's sacrifice. And that whenever we celebrate communion, whenever we enter into the season of Advent, we express that we are people of hope who are seeking to live differently as a result of the coming of Jesus. As we come to this table and we celebrate what was realized in Christ's coming and sacrifice, we also enter into that tension of faith that Christ has come, accomplished what was needed, that Christ is here, But he also points us forward that one day he's going to come again and set all things right. And one day we will experience this, what we have a foretaste of today, we will experience in all its fullness in the great banquet in the kingdom of God. So let us receive this meal in hope today and in the knowledge of the hope that we have in Christ. Lord God, we are people who are seeking to live differently. But we recognize that that is not always easy. So use this time of communion today to renew and refresh our hope that it would be found in you and what you have done in sacrificing your body and shedding your blood for us. May hope be found in you and may that hope enable us to live differently as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Be fixed upon King Jesus Let every tribe and tongue prepare the way Let every heart be filled with expectation Cause the King is coming The King is coming Open the doors up Come let the light in People get ready, get ready to worship Him. Open the doors up and come at the light in. People get ready.